attack. I mean, he certainly can be. It's just all about, is he? You know, at this point, it's, it's, it's does he have the right tools to be able to do it? The Jaguars have the right pieces around him. Up. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, July the 19th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on Twitter at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runke. JT, how we feeling? How's it going? Um, I just have a quick question here for you. Are you also on board that winter is the best season? Mm. So we've been discussing this once. This feels like a topic that comes around on Twitter every year or two. Um, no, winter is not the best. It is the second best. It's close, though. Fall is the best season. Uh, in my opinion, it is fall, winter, summer, multiple light years worth of a gap, spring. That's can't crazy. Stand, cannot stand spring. The weather can't make its mind up. It's very rainy. Uh, I get very bad seasonal allergies in the spring. Spring sucks. The only redeeming part of spring, in my opinion, is the draft. And um, I get to start golfing again. That's the only <laughs> that's the only uh, that's the only upside. Everything else is a big fat L for me for, for but fall and winter are my two favorite. I will say as I'm getting older, I'm liking summer more. I don't know why exactly. I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, old people are like, I hate the cold. You know, you're always like, girl, you go away, old man. See, I think I guess- I'm the opposite. Oh, interesting. I'm, I, I, well, I put this out yesterday, which Stoney Keeley is also an enjoyer of this sentiment here. I put this out. So my favorite is winter, is winter, followed by fall. I'd probably put spring third and summer fourth because I'm a big, I'm a big hoodie sweatshirt guy. Like I I love my hoodies. So like I can't wear my hoodies right now. So like, mm. what am I supposed to do? Mm. However, I put winter up there for my sole reason because I yearned and I posted a picture of this and I said, I yearn <laughs> to be the sleepy time bear from the sleepy time bear tea and just sit there all, co- all, all, all cozy in my, in my recliner love seat PTFO as, as I watch by the fire with the snow as, falling uh, outside. Yeah. As the snow falls outside, which Stoney also said. Every time he looks at his 401k, he envisions being the sleepy time bear, which I, yeah. I I agree with. So listen, I can I can understand that sentiment, and I'm I'm with you. Um, it's it, fall and winter both. I'm I'm a big fan of, but I'm also a big fan of today's show. How about that? Massive segue because yeah. we've got some awesome stuff for you. A real brief warm up segment, real quick, which I'm gonna address a topic that's been going around. Many Titans fans know this already, but it bears repeating. And uh, I'm sure that you all, if you're a Titans fan, are as annoyed by this as we are. Um, it's the why did the Titans go and get DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Brooks when they could have just paid A.J. Brown? Those silly, silly Titans. What were they thinking? We'll, we'll discuss how silly that narrative is. And um, then we will go into a couple of Titans news topics real quick that we want to address. Then the main event for today's show, we've got our AFC South preview series trucking right along. Second installment, we've got UCF Jaguar. His name is Dalton. He runs the number one YouTube channel in the world covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's the topic of today's show. The 2023 Jacksonville Jaguars previewing what they're going to look like based on a review of their offseason, their draft, what their roster looks like, some changes, what we think um, may be the biggest strength and weakness of the team. We go into a deep dive on all of those things. 
And I think this series is awesome for Titans fans because my pitch has been on social media. Nobody likes knows nothing clearly has no idea what he's talking about opposing a fan guy. Nobody likes that guy. When you're, when you're debating with somebody that isn't a fan of your team and you, you just can't wrap your head around how stupid they are because clearly they don't know anything about your team. They're just talking right out of their butt. Don't be that guy. That's what this series is here to protect you against. Get wise to these teams. The Titans are going to face twice a year so that you can intelligently hate them when those games come around. You can you can destroy, crush your opponents epically online with, with facts, facts and knowledge. And yeah, with facts wow. and logic. Wow. Facts and logic, <laughs> baby. That's what we're here to uh, to get into people's minds. And so that's why I think this series rocks, and you're going to enjoy that interview. But first, JT, let's dive into the warm-up today, which is this silly, silly, silly narrative that the Titans – should have just paid A.J. Brown instead of going about things the way that they have by drafting Traylon Burks in the first round and putting all that pressure on him in year one and then going and getting the corpse of DeAndre Hopkins. Awesome how the number one wide receiving uh, prospect in free agency this summer goes from this tasty delectable, ooh, the Bills want him, ooh, the Chiefs want him, ooh, the Patriots could really use this guy. It's going to be a huge impact. And then when they land... Without fail, and I don't think this is a Titan-specific thing, but like, oh, have fun with the corpse of that guy. The tune changes when you are bitter and you do not win. Titans fans, you won the sweepstakes. Don't let nobody tell you nothing. That being said, um, there's a lot of hubbub in the national media about why did they pay DeAndre Hopkins, aging DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks, when they could have just paid A.J. Brown a year ago? What were they thinking? What were they thinking? And the obvious response to this is, psst. The guy who did that got fired largely because he didn't pay A.J. Brown. There's a new guy here. He didn't have any say or impact over the Titans' decision to not pay A.J. Brown. In fact, what he's having to do now in – he didn't draft Traylon Burks, but obviously u- utilizing Burks in his roster construction – hoping for him to turn into that wide receiver one the Titans need him to be, bringing in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins into a very young and green wide receiver room so that he can mentor them, be an example to them, be that veteran presence on and off the field. That's Those are things he's having to do to remedy the mistakes of the past regime, namely not paying A.J. Brown. Like that's the So if you're wondering, why didn't they just pay A.J. Brown? That's what Titans ownership was wondering when they didn't pay A.J. Brown. And then A.J. Brown torches your ass in Philadelphia in November. Sorry, kids. Like, this is not hard if you are of the uh, uh, if you are if you are aware of the fact that Rand Carthen is the new GM and John Robinson is the one that let A.J. Brown go. And a big part of the re- not the only reason we've covered this at length, but a big part of the reason why he was let go was because he made that very in hindsight, very, very poor decision. Um, so, yeah, anyone in the national media who, who thinks this or is, is using this as a talking point, and boy, oh boy, I mean, it is the favorite um, starter on this topic on Get Up and First Take and, and all of these shows where it's a lot of half-baked, um, somebody that, that knows very little but but acts like they they know a whole lot it's frustrating to listen to. And I understand it. And this one in particular, because it's really not that hard a thing to grasp different folks doing different things. Hopkins is not Hopkins and Burks are not 
something that were actively chosen over A.J. Brown. They are in large part an attempt to remedy the A.J. Brown mistake. All right. Now that we've got that all squared away, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir because I'm sure most Titans fans are well aware of that, but but this, this is important for us to push back uh, against capital M, big big media, the big media machine. Those those fools. That's what I was calling them this morning. Big sports media. Big sports media. To... They don't want you to know the truth. They don't know the truth. God well, knows they don't know the well truth. Well, also they, you know, I mean, Titans fans should be happy that big sports media gave you one whole day of of attention. And then, of course, what do they do today as we're recording this? Was it oh, a day of attention or was it a day of the Titans got DeAndre Hopkins? What does this mean about the Patriots who lost out on DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, maybe because we're already back to who's going to win the AFC East? The Jets. Oh, can we talk about the Jets anymore? Hard knocks, hard knocks, Jets, Aaron Rodgers. All right, um, let's move on to a couple of Titans news topics before we get to our interview today. The first of which is something that was reported by our buddy, fellow 440 host, Paul Kaharski. He uh, announced, uh, he got the scoop rather earlier this week on a very pivotal player on the Titans defense who is now exonerated. uh, Well, not exonerated, I suppose, legally, technically, but rather his cases were dropped. It's Rashad Weaver, edge rusher, third year player, had this legal situation looming over his head for the last year and change. And the prosecution up in Pennsylvania, where he went to school at uh, Pitt, I believe, dropped the assault. I don't believe I know that uh, dropped the assault case uh, against him this week. There was supposed to be a trial, I think, as as early as the beginning or the end of this month, rather. And here at the last minute, the prosecution, I guess the state attorney general decided not to go forward with that prosecution. Um, the, the gist of the case, not to relitigate all the details, but it, the gist was uh, some assault charges against a pregnant woman, which is certainly very serious and concerning. But when you got into the details of that story, back when all of it broke, it was kind of murky. This person, the pregnant lady, there was some questions about her character and truthfulness and reliability, um, kind of a he said, she said thing. There may have been some drummed up, exaggerated injuries in all of this, some hospital stays that weren't necessary, et cetera, et cetera a bunch of TLC uh, drama that we're not getting into on this show. That being said, clearly the, the the prosecutors decided it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo, not worth going forward with a criminal case. And so Rashad Weaver exonerated, which is a, a big, big deal for the Titans. I don't think anyone was that concerned that his legal situation would come to a head and, and cause an issue for him being able to be on the field or be on the team. But you never know. And with, with felony assaults, that, that's a big charge to slap on somebody, and then you have to deal with the PR of, you know, are you going to keep this guy on your team? How can you support this guy? Blah, 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 blah. Now those cases are are dropped against him, and those charges are, are dropped against him, and he gets to just play ball this year and not focus on that, especially during a very pivotal training camp, I think, for him, heading into a season in which the Titans could really use him being um, one of the players that takes that next step and proves that he is a two-down, three-down, every-down pass rusher, a premier pass rusher that they can give 90, 95 or more percent of the, the snaps to it's, it's a big deal, JT. Yeah. I mean, a, a big deal. Definitely, definitely for the depth of the team, for sure. Having him kind of go into this now, just able to focus on football. Now he can kind of 
prime himself for a, a, a big season and if anything just really help with the depth because we know that after the the, the second second or third player on this roster at almost every position it gets it gets uh downhill very quick. A little dicey yeah yep a little dicey all right um the other thing we need to talk about today is the news about the deandre hopkins sweepstakes and just what other offers were on the table for him Kind of an interesting revelation, JT, that I think most people were, were thinking the OBJ contract with the Ravens, very strange, very big dollar sign uh, in front of a guy who is an aging receiver and is coming off of an ACL, another ACL injury. People were of the mind that this, this kind of albatross of a contract is really going to hurt teams looking to acquire DeAndre Hopkins. It turns out, according to reporting from Albert Breer over at SI, it may be the very OBJ contract in question that led to the Titans landing him in the first place. His reporting essentially was that there were some mute, there was some in, in, a mutual interest between teams like the Chiefs and DeAndre Hopkins camp. He was reportedly interested in potentially taking a more team friendly deal to join a team in order to try to chase a ring to go win a championship. But if a team were to offer a contract in the ballpark of that OBJ contract, that would be his priority. So he was basically reportedly willing to take a more friendly, smaller deal for a team that was more competitive. And unless somebody came out with money similar to that OBJ range and the Titans, you know, OBJ making $15 million in his first year, DeAndre Hopkins making 13 with um, escalators based on performance. They can get all the way up to 15 that that turned out to be that exact money that he could not refuse. And so he takes the biggest money contract. The, the perceived runner ups in New England apparently were more in that $10 million guaranteed first year contract. And they, too, were interested in potentially giving him up to $15 million in incentives. But those incentives were reportedly much, much harder to track down. Uh, or not to track down, but for him to reach rather in the season, much loftier goals than what the Titans were offering. Um, an interesting revelation, JT, that, that OBJ contract in the end may have been the very thing that that gave the Titans what they wanted, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, yeah, especially I think I, honestly, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it is a perfect deal for him. I think it kind yep. of makes the best of both worlds, especially if three million dollars in incentives is probably a lot better than $5 million in incentives. I think when you look back at the incentive list, it seems fair. I'm really surprised that the page, like with that incentives list, I'd, I'd really be interested to see what the Patriots were like. Is it like he had to get like over a hundred? Like I'm very I interested. Think Bill Belichick wasn't really interested in him. Like I think that he kind I, I don't know. I, I get the impression that he just wasn't really, because when Bill Belichick goes and gets a big name, player in free agency in free agency historically when he's truly interested in a guy and he's got eyes for somebody he does so as quietly as humanly possible i mean like randy moss for example no one really saw that coming at the time it was like whoa okay the patriots signing randy moss trading for Randy moss that's all right cool like that's typically how he rolls in free agency and in player acquisition via trade and so this was so vocal so loud from the beginning i think in hindsight it, it's not all that shocking that he didn't end up landing the player. And I, I do question if he was really even all that interested to begin with. Yeah, I agree. All right. 
that is it for the Titans news today. And so that means we can go ahead and move on to our main event for today's episode. UCF Jaguar Dalton joining us to talk all things Jaguars. We're going to dive into one of the Titans, maybe the Titans number one rival heading into this season, the division favorite Jacksonville Jaguars. Without further ado, here is our 2023 Jacksonville Jaguars preview. His name's Dalton UCF Jaguar on Twitter and on YouTube. I believe the number one Jacksonville Jaguars YouTube channel in the world. Dalton, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us, man. Hey, man, all is good. I'm excited. We're getting ready for football season. Uh, there really is no better time of the year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure you're like us. Just the days cannot pass any faster. Um, we, we are officially exhausted by the, the dog days of summer, ready to get into some ball. And we're so close. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know for me, I think my least favorite time of the year is this time of the year where we're just projecting everything. And I mean, for me, I think, I think talk is so cheap. You know, sure. I, I want, I want for them to show me what they can do as opposed to me telling them what they can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's impossible not for things to just feel so repetitive at this point. It's desperate for training camp, maybe not the most exciting thing in the world, but really an oasis in the desert compared to the last six weeks or so. So um, we're going to go through all things Jaguars today. So we brought you in. You are the resident expert, and this is a Titans specific show, Nas Nashville based show. Um, and, and so the, the, the point of this series for folks that maybe hadn't tuned in pre to previous episodes is we're, we're going to get the lowdown on all things Jaguars, kind of a 101 class on the 2023 season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk offseason. We will talk roster construction, um, ranges of outcomes, all that good stuff. And we'll, we'll get, you know, good information from the source, from a guy that really knows who he's talking about in Dalton. So excited to do that, Dalton. Um, how about we start with the offseason? Jaguars, um, maybe the first time in recent memory that their offseason outside of the draft where they had a gajillion picks more on the quiet side, you know, a team that is kind of put together at this point, um, certainly more put together than they had been for years uh, recently, not going out and making huge free agent additions because there wasn't really a need for that. You've got a pretty decent core set up. Was there anything of note from the Jaguars um, offseason outside of the draft that you feel people should know about? I mean, I was kind of expecting the offseason to go the way that it went. Uh, when you looked at 2022 free agency, the Jaguars spent like the most guaranteed money of any teams ever spent in free agency. And right. they pretty much did like two years worth of free agencies in one year. And I mean, look, the Jaguars cashed in pretty well on it. Pretty much everybody exceeded expectations in a lot of ways. So, you know, this offseason, we were more worried about, OK, like, how are we going to retain our talent? I mean, you saw that we lost Jawan Taylor our right tackle, which stinks, but you do, we did get a third round comp compensatory pick for next year. Um, so that wound up working out. And then he looked around and he said, okay, the next big guy we had to figure out how to keep is Evan Ingram. And they threw a franchise tag on him. And with the deadline of, you know, you have July, I think it was July 17th yeah, um, to be able to sign him to a long-term deal. And the Jaguars got it done the day before on Sunday. So he's down for a three-year deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting right now. You look now, you got to figure out how to retain your next wave of free agents. It's going to be Calvin Ridley and Josh Allen now are going to be the two big guys with, you know, expiring contracts. So 
yeah, quiet, quiet off season, but it feels like we have a good nucleus right now to kind of make a push forward. Uh, let's talk about the draft because that's the the most change for this team. I think from an off season perspective, had a ton of picks. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of draft coverage on this show. We went to the combine we make it our deal in the spring and uh, kind of in review of how the AFC South did, um, kind of a, a wide variety of different draft tactics, I think taken by different teams in different situations for the Jaguars. I, I've got to be honest. They were maybe the most confusing in, in this draft cycle of the AFC South teams it's kind of 50 50 just looking at their picks and the prospects that I didn't, didn't like, for example, they go with their first pick in the first round, 27th overall Anton Harrison love that thought that he was in that upper echelon of the top five tackles in this year's draft. Absolutely a back end of the first round prospect. And I believe they, they moved around a, a number of times in the first round, dropping a couple spots if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They gained some capital a couple times. Yeah. Right. And so they, they move around, get some extra capital and get, that tackle prospect for the future, which I'm a huge fan of. But then the second round, they turn around and, and draft a guy who I don't, I didn't really have anything against as a prospect from an evaluation standpoint in Brenton strange, the tight end out of Penn state, but man, at 61 overall in round two, what was the reaction to that from Jaguars fans? No, it was definitely confusing. And I know a lot of Jaguar fans were like so gun ho about we need to get a cornerback. You know, cornerback needs to be the move. Sure. And, you know, they went out and got, you know, a tight end and Brenton Strange, which was a little, little bit confusing. But if you look at really the prior drafts, I mean, uh, in 2022, the Jaguars spent two first round picks on on defensive players. And then, you know, they spent the third round pick on another defensive player with another linebacker. So, you know, at some point you got to show some love to the offense and um, the Jaguars did that with this draft. And, you know, with Britton Strange, I mean, I I didn't know a lot about him, but I do know that this was a guy that Doug Peterson really liked. And I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I know more about tight ends than 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 Doug Peterson. Sure. So I'm going to let that kind of pick ride and kind of see see where he takes us. With him being such a, you know, a highly drafted player. Like you mentioned, the Jaguars do lock down Evan Ingram to a long-term contract at the buzzer earlier this week, so that he's obviously going to continue to be a focal point of that offense. What do you see the role for Strange being? Um, obviously, with tight ends, we know that they're you know one of the positions that takes the longest to, to kind of um, get their feet wet. Typically, first-year tight ends are under a significant learning curve, but by year two, they can contribute, and maybe by the end of year one, they can contribute if, if all goes well, kind of like, with the Titans and Chicago last year, but it takes a little bit for the lights to come on. Once the lights do come on for strange, where do you anticipate his role being um, on this offense? Well, I mean, I think his immediate impact has to be run blocking because when you look at the Jaguars Titan room last year, you know, you had Evan Ingram, Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurts, all three guys that were under expiring contracts and all those guys outside of Evan Ingram is gone. And Chris Manhurts, you know, not a lot of people show love to the blocking tight ends, but he was a pretty no. pivotal part in the Jaguars offense when it comes to run sure. blocking. And the Jaguars lost that piece and didn't replace him with anything in free agency. So you got to think with a second round tight end, you know, with Evan Ingram being able to do what he can do in the pass game. And, you know, he's a willing run, one run blocker, but he's not. It's definitely not his strength. Um, So I think early on that Britton Strange does, you know, contribute in that run blocking role. And then. You know, I think he can help out in the pass game a lot, too. I know Doug Peterson loves to run 21 personnel with two tight ends. 
Right. Um, so he definitely, when he was drafted, I know that Doug Peterson has a role in mind. And, you know, I think that, you know, he's, they're going to eventually turn into kind of the dual threat tight end that every team really wants. And, you know, tight end is a very, very difficult position to scout. I mean, you look at the yes. NFL now and, you know, the best tight ends in the NFL aren't really first round picks. You know, sometimes they're yeah. usually found in like, second third fourth round some of them are like basketball players so <laughs> right it's, it's really really difficult and you look at it there's probably more great elite quarterbacks in the nfl than there are tight ends so sure yeah it's something that got to be a little bit patient on and kind of see what kind of role gets carved out you know got to wait a couple years because historically tight ends don't really do great in their rookie year so you know this right. is something that we'll have to see how it plays out over time well, and I have no doubt that Peterson has a role in mind for Strange because just looking at the tight end depth chart for the Jaguars, it's Evan Ingram and Brenton Strange and yeah. I don't know, man. No, a yeah, bunch tight of like end, tight Luke Farrell, Garrett Prince, are yeah. these people I should know? No, tight end spots three and four because I did a positional battle video that I actually released earlier today. Okay. I mean, tight end spots three and four I think are wide open, which right. is very rare for any team. I mean, Luke Farrell's been on team a couple of years. He was a sixth round pick in, you know, 2021 out of Ohio State. Um, so he has tenure on the team. Um, but you know, sometimes tenure only takes you so far. So, you know, if you're a Titan out there looking to find a job or a role and you want to find a legitimate team that you can make the team on, I imagine you'd want to flock to Jacksonville right now because you know there's some <laughs> spots open. Yeah, absolutely. So so I, I liked the Harrison pick in the first round. Strange, I had some questions about and then flip-flops again i'm a big fan of the tank bigsby pick in the third round 88 overall the running back from auburn um it's an interesting position for the jaguars the running back position you know you have james robinson burst onto the scene as was he was a udfa or was he a late round pick I he was an undrafted guy okay undrafted guy burst onto the scene in his rookie year i think he had a thousand yard season everybody's like oh look at this guy he might be you know a diamond in the rough bell cow back of the future and then you know coaching change over a couple of times and you get Travis Etienne in there as a first round pick and there's a, a, a significant decline in production and suddenly this this guy's shipped off to another team now you bring in Tank Bigsby to be that secondary complementary running back um what do you think that those two are going to look like in terms of their roles yeah I mean Travis Etienne had an electric year last year man yeah I mean, he had uh, kind of quietly had over a thousand rushing yards. Um, he was even injured a couple of times and, you know, man, with the ball in his hands, he can be really explosive. But I think the thing about him was like, he took a lot of big hits last year and I don't think they want him kind of taking those kind of hits. And when you look at Doug Peterson, when you had success with the Eagles, you know, he didn't have the primary dude. He had like three different running backs with like very, very distinct roles. And I think that's, what's going to happen here. I mean, I think, ETN's going to be your, you know, all-purpose guy when it comes to, you know, most yardage on the season. But, you know, I think if you're a Titans fan looking fantasy-wise, I, I think that the, I think that Bigsby might be a little bit of a pest for uh, ETN because I think Bigsby's going to get the third and one carries or even like the goal line carries because, you know, I don't think that they want ETN taking as many hits as he did last year. So, um, sure. yeah, there's, so there's that, you know, I think that, Jamichael Hasty, who the Jowers had last year, will still continue to play the, you know, kind of a the third third and long role when it comes to pass protection. And you know, yeah. I do think that each of the Jowers running back has is going to have very distinct roles. And 
I, I'm, you know, the pick, I was really confused by it. I mean, I was, uh, I, I don't know. I'm always, it's always funny because the way the fans view things, they expect something to happen. And then it always seems like the team throws a curveball. Um, but hey, if we're going to go heavy on offense, you know, I, I, I'm not going to complain if we can score 30 plus points a game. It's just, uh, didn't seem conventional when it seemed like you had major holes at cornerback and you know well, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that it, I, I wasn't aware that it sounds like Jaguars fans throughout the draft were increasingly confused and frustrated by the Jaguars ignoring the defensive back entire defensive backfield entirely until Antonio Johnson in the fifth round the, the exact I'm, this you may have been uh tuned into because it was so loud Titans fans not super jazzed by the Titans not a draft, dressing receiver until the seventh round, it was kind of the exact same deal going everywhere, but the position that the fans wanted. And sometimes that's the way that it works. Looking at the rest of the draft for the Jaguars, a couple of guys stand out to me. Um, Ventral Miller, the linebacker in the fourth round out of Florida, it's a fine pick. Felt like it was necessary for the the need at that position for the Jaguars. Um, Yasir Abdullah, we were, I was a big fan of out of Louisville. I think he's a fantastic round five addition. Um, kind of a raw player, but certainly has some upside to, to add to that rushing attack. Antonio Johnson, I thought was a great value pick in the fifth round, the safety out of Texas A&M. Um, out, out, and there's a number that I haven't even listed. Round four and up, who are the guys, if any, that you are really excited about or maybe were most confused by? I mean, I think you mentioned I was really excited for Yasir Abdullah because, I mean, right now the Jaguars, when you look at their roster from last year, you know, two out of their four highest sack guys are no longer on the roster. You know, Arden Key went to the Titans and right. Juan Smoot, who kind of got the MetLife curse when it comes to tearing his Achilles over there. You know, he's kind of remains unsigned. So right now where the defensive line, we're really relying at this point on, you know, Josh Allen kind of going back to his rookie year numbers and right. double digit sacks. And then Trayvon Walker becoming the number one best player from the 2022 NFL draft. And learning some pass rushing moves and coming back and just taking that next step outside of that. I mean, we're relying on, you know, there's a guy named Jordan Smith out of UAB who was like a fourth round pick a couple years ago towards ACL last year. But you know, a bunch of Jaguar fans are talking about him, but I need to see it. I haven't seen this. I think this guy has like two NFL tackles, so I can't, right. I can't sit here and say, okay, no, we're good. We got this guy on the bench ready to go. You know, you're relying on just, you know, look, um, Caleb on chase on from like the 2020 draft who's been awful and then right. you know so there's going to be some real opportunity for Abdullah to come out and you know potentially be that like you know come in on pass rushing situations and you know really hopefully surprise some people um, I know the thing I was confused about was like you said Ventral Miller just because it was the it was the first pick of the day for the Jaguars and you know last year at linebacker position the Jaguars traded up in the second round to get back into the first round to get Devin Lloyd, a linebacker. Yep. It's like, okay, linebacker. I understand it's a need. And then the next pick in the third round, they went out and got Chad Muma, another linebacker. Yep. So we're like, okay, like, I guess we're going to have like the best linebacker team. So after a really confusing, you know, day one and day two, maybe not day one, but day two of the NFL draft where you go tight in and um, you go tight in and running back the first pick of day three, you pick a linebacker and it's like, <laughs> Oh my God, like when is it going to end? So, yeah, those were some confusing ones. I know Ventral Miller. I mean, you know, I'm, I live in Florida. There's a bunch of Florida Gator fans that are Jaguar guys. So, a lot of us know about him, but it was a, it was an interesting day three. But really, day three for me is all about look, like throw out positional needs, just go out there and get 
you know, some sleepers on your board. You know, it, sometimes when you get a guy in the fifth round pick, you just at the very least hope that he becomes like a core special teams player. You know, in seventh yep. round, you're drafting cornerbacks that ran a really fast 40. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's a crapshoot in the in, on day three. That's for sure. So let's transition to some roster evaluation and, and looking ahead to this season um, from a 10,000 foot perspective. I think the best place to start out here is um, I want to hear your thoughts on some ranges of outcome. We we preach religiously on this show, the the foolishness and the really just the silliness of like hard and fast uh, record predictions, as well as like, OK, this is the, you know, this team. Ceiling for this team, they can win one playoff game. Or it's like well, the, the beauty of this sport is that it's any given Sunday, and you really don't know. And so we like to talk about things in in terms of ranges of outcomes, right? And so, um, give me what you think is maybe the the best and worst case scenario for this season for the Jaguars. What that looks like, and then maybe we can find a middle ground. What you think might be the most likely scenario, that median scenario. Talk me through how you anticipate this season going for them. I'm just happy you're not making me do a game by game prediction because I hate this. But <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But when you look at the Jaguars, I mean, usually when we go into these seasons, it's like if you say seven and ten, you're optimistic. Finally, we get to go into a season where we feel like, you know, we can. You can really... say double digit wins, and people don't look at you like you're crazy. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, we can actually sit here and say that you know we think we can actually go to the playoffs and make it a bit of a run. So I mean, really, uh, the big factor. As you guys know, and it's the big been the biggest thing that's held the Titans back as the quarterback. And sure. I mean, Trevor Lawrence just we've never had a quarterback with the potential that he has. And you know, we saw a guy, you know, first year struggled under Urban Meyer. You're saying Even Blake if, Bortles didn't have that potential? Not there. I yet. love Blake. He, he's a UCF <laughs> guy. I love Blake, but you know, I you would. sometimes you gotta call a spade a spade. Yeah, but. yeah. That's good. That's good uh objective analysis on your part. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with uh Trevor Lawrence, man, he has such just unreal potential. And you saw that in the second half of the year. I mean, he ended the regular season at like six and one. I mean, the types of plays that he was having, um, the comebacks that he was having. I mean, the playoff game against the Chargers. I mean, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks throw four interceptions and somehow are able to come back from that in the way oh, it was incredible. Did. Yeah. And it was incredible. So, I mean, when you look at the Jaguars, when you look at really the schedule, I mean, the Jaguars are, first of all, the AFC South is lucky they get to play against the NFC South. So that's one no thing. Kidding. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be the best, you know, division out there. So those are potentially some good games. Then, might I say the worst division out there? Yeah, yeah. might be the worst. Yeah. Hey, shout out to the AFC South, man. We're not, uh, we can finally say not maybe last, we're not baby. the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then you look at the AFC South and there, there might be a chance that, you know, the Jaguars, when you include the Panthers in there, maybe the Jaguars are playing against seven games against rookie quarterbacks. I mean, you mm. really never know. You know, maybe the Titans, I, I don't think the Titans will play Levis right away, but, but you know, you would think that you would think that Stroud plays right away. Yep. You know, you would think that Richardson plays pretty close to right away, maybe not week one. And then you sure. have Bryce Young. So it's a pretty favorable schedule. So when I look at everything and when Desmond Ritter, practically a rookie. Yeah, that's true. Desmond Ritter. If Kyle um, Trask is the guy who has to take over in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Practically a first year guy, you know, so. Yeah. So, I mean, the Jaguars do, they do have the first place schedule. So, of course, they play the 49ers, which is tough. Sure. Um, they play the the Bills, which is going to be tough. And, of course, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, who were mm -hmm. 
defending Super Bowl champions. But I mean, when I look at this thing, I mean, I really think ceiling could be 13 wins. I think that the Jaguars could really I mean, that's make crazy. No, I think they can make that step forward and look. I mean, offense is king nowadays, and you have not only do you have the quarterback, but you have the head coach too with a proven track record, which you know, last year shouldn't we shouldn't have done as well as we did last year, but we somehow did. And then um, but when you look at the the other side of things, we're well, still the on, Jaguars. Real quick, can I can I inject one? Keep this yeah, in your head, but one thing when we're on the high end, this is a question that I like to ask. If I if I were able to peer into the future and tell you, yes, the Jaguars do win 13 games this year, what would your guess be as to what you know the primary thing or things that led to that success is it a specific player a specific um position group is it injury luck what what do you think is the primary driver of a massively successful year for them well first like it's pretty obvious well first it would have to be you'd have to have some injury luck i mean sure. you you have to have the jaguars were side. no stranger to last year congratulations on an incredibly healthy season yeah i mean it's been uh it's yeah the jaguars i mean ever since 2021 they've been pretty healthy i don't know they what's have. going on over there but um so that and then it's going to be have to be trouble that Warren. urban meyer strength and conditioning program baby he implemented it, it and they're rocking and rolling. What What's funny is like <laughs> he did come in and he revamped the whole process when it comes to like strength and conditioning and like health and wellness. And it's actually done like pretty good. The Jaguars today. Maybe actually the opened, only positive impact that Urban Meyer had on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the Jaguars today actually opened an entire sport performance center, which is I saw this. Yeah, amazing. And that was a part of the requirement when Urban Meyer got hired as the head coach. He said, you guys need to build this. It said, whatever you want, Urban, you're our, you're the truth. And uh -huh. then, uh, yeah, he was wasn't the truth. It. No, but yeah, I mean, I would have to be if the Jaguars were to reach the 13 wins, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yep. there are all kinds of projections with him. Like, is he a top five quarterback? I mean, he certainly can be. It's just all about is he? You know, at this point, it's 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 does he have the right tools to be able to do it? The Jaguars have the right pieces around him on offense. I mean, you brought in Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. Those guys had massive years. All, all those guys had career years last year. Right. You mix in Calvin Ridley into the mix. And then Small you deal also, there, yeah. Yeah, then the first two days of the draft, you go like all offense. Mm -hmm. And you pair that up with having Doug Peterson as your head coach. I mean, the offense should be really, really good. And as long as the defense is good enough, you know, it could be a great season. Isn't that interesting how for a guy who, you know, could do no wrong as a prospect in college coming out touted as the best prospect at quarterback since Andrew Luck and Joe Montana. And then, you know, obviously has a year that is not a great debut, but nobody really holds him um, accountable for that because of the coaching situation. He goes maybe the, the biggest upgrade in the history of NFL coaching ever from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, who at the time felt like the obvious choice. I felt like it was a fantastic choice, safe choice, get an adult in the room who has experience with a, with young quarterbacks and putting together a good offense and is a, an experienced play caller. So I loved that move when they made it and it obviously worked out really well for them in year one, but then he comes in, you, 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 like you mentioned, put all these pieces around him. And after a second year in which he shows Okay, he's now on that trajectory that maybe it was a year delayed, but he's on that path that we expected him to be on. There's a ton of anticipation for this year. He's got really everything around him that you'd think he would need to succeed. Despite having such a good year last year, it feels like the pressure has never been higher on him because he doesn't really have much of an excuse this year for it to not work. 
Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting topic, but I mean, I think the most pressure he's had on him was last year after he started the year bad. The Jaguars went to London. He just had an awful game. And it was yeah. at that point yeah. where it's like, okay, first year we understand it was under Urban Meyer. You know, maybe a couple games in 2022. Okay, that's fine. But, I mean, he went through like half of a season where like most of his games like weren't great and he wasn't taking the Jaguars over the top. And then for the first time in his life, he legitimately heard the words like bust and that kind of thing. And he put mm. out – you know, a letter on the Players' Tribune saying that he heard the noise, like he heard that, you know, what people were saying about him. And he was like, wow, this is the first time, like, I've ever, like, really heard this. And when he got drafted, you know, they asked him, like, you know, do you feel any pressure on yourself? He's like, I've never, like, really had pressure. I've always been, like, the best. So, you know, from that point, he said, look, I am holding my team back. I I am the reason why this is happening. So, you know, he took it upon himself to, I guess, do something different where all of a sudden – you know, after that game, he just became a completely different player. And I think the Jaguars went like seven and two after that. Right. They obviously, one and one in the playoffs. And um, I think at that moment, there was a lot of pressure for him. So, I mean, with this year, yeah, there's going to be pressure, but I don't know if it's any more pressure than what was last year. I think after last year, you know, he got to breathe a little bit. Now I think he's like, okay, let's, let's rock and roll. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how much he actually like feels it. That's fair. So let's go back to the original prompt here. Worst case scenario for this team is what? I think probably worst case would be seven wins. I, I okay. think because at the end of the day, like, I mean, we are the Jaguars. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it's, <laughs> like so I mean, I mean, so we still have that stigma that, you know, you're kind of a bad franchise until you aren't. So until like, you know, even the Bengals after the Super Bowl year, they were people out there oh they're they're not going to return not going to return the Bengals so I think they had to get over you know the whole logo and the and the teal color effect to actually change people for people's perspectives on them which you know takes probably two years to do um so uh, I mean I think with that I think seven wins would be a situation where maybe Trevor is playing pedestrian he's not taking the team over the top you know I think that maybe the defense is having issues I mean a big reason the Jaguars lost to the Chiefs were because they couldn't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Right. And the Jaguars didn't do a lot. They didn't really do anything to address the defensive line. You know, we're really hoping now that Evan Ingram is under a new contract, maybe we can go out there and find like Yannick Ngakwe or one of these guys just on a one-year deal to come in here, rent them for a year, like a veteran to kind of get them to kind of move things forward. And then we can, you know, kind of reevaluate the position in a year. Um, but yeah, it would have to be that, look, you know, this team is, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't take maybe the next step. Uh, the defense is just a huge liability. And maybe the schedule being harder than we thought. Maybe, sure. you know, the Titans are, you know, a lot of people are writing out the Titans. I still think the Titans are a good team. You know, the, the Titans As are we. still, you know, a really tough AFC South juggernaut. Maybe either Houston or Indy, one of those teams becomes pretty good and, you know, can rise up. But, um, yeah, I think probably 13 win ceiling, seven win floor is what I'm saying. And is there any specific player or position group that I, 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 I peer into the future? I tell you they win just seven games this year and things really don't go the way folks are expecting. What do you, what are you most likely to, to assume is responsible for that? I'm going to assume that we can't get pressure on a quarterback. I'm going to assume that in critical well. moments. Yep. And every like the the opposite teams, you know, twelve of fifteen on third down, we just can't get off the field, and the defense is gassed. And 
I would say that. And, you know, we have a liability at nickel cornerback. I mean, you know, Trey Herndon is our starting nickel cornerback. This guy right. has been on the team since he was Jalen Ramsey's immediate replacement. After Jalen Ramsey, yep. you know, forced a trade out of Jacksonville, Trey Herndon was the backup that stood in there for him. And, Look, Trey, I mean, he's he's one of those guys that's like loved by the coaching staff but hated by the fans. I, I was mean, about to say, he he can be picked on pretty easily. Yeah, he's just limited. I mean, he's not fast. And if you're not a, right. you know, a cornerback, I mean, it's one of those things like it's kind of like a quarterback. Like quarterback, you have to have arm strength. You know, cornerback, I think you have to kind of be fast so, you know, you're not just getting, you know, burnt on, you know, these, you know, slant routes or, you know, over the top. It's, you know, one of those one of those things. Right. No, for me, it's the it's the secondary that that is concerning, um, most concerning to me because because you mentioned you got Tyson Campbell and uh, Darius Williams as your as your cornerbacks there with with Trey Herndon rounding out the nickel, a, a bunch of I mean I'm, I'm looking at the R lads uh, depth chart right now, a ton of green, which means rookies, a bunch of young guys in here at the safety position. Thought that they were really thin coming into I mean the adding Antonio Johnson the draft certainly is helpful. But Andre Sisco and Rayshon Jenkins and Andrew Wingard being those top three guys, I, maybe I'm uninformed, but none of them really get my blood boiling. Like I don't, I don't think that Sisco and Rayshon Jenkins are pretty good. Are Rayshon they? Okay. Jenkins had a I mean, he had you know two touchdowns last year that basically won the game for us. Um, one against was a walk off against the Cowboys, and yeah, yep. one was against your Titans. But so he yep. he had a pretty good year last year. Cisco was a second year player. You know, he's pretty good, but. The it's one of those positions very, very top heavy. I mean, if we get if we get some bad injury luck, um, you know, you're probably putting in a an immediate, you know, liability on the field. So let, let's talk about strongest and weakest position groups. And we, we may have just gone over what you think the weakest position group is. But um, what what are the group or groups that you think are on the opposite ends of the spectrum for this team um, in terms of of strength maybe both in top end talent and in depth yeah i think i think our best position right now is wide receiver i mean you yeah, look at great. you know yep. last year was a great unit you know everyone baffled at the jaguars just saying oh you were paid christian kirk but i mean i don't think the jaguars make the playoffs without christian kirk and you kind of you kind of overpay for free agency so um christian kirk both things can be true you could have overpaid and also he was a very valuable addition, right? Yeah. So. so there was that. Zay Jones had a really good year. He had yep. himself a career high. You know, you can even throw in Evan Ingram into the mix because he's essentially no a wide receiver in a lot of a lot of manners. And then you bring in Calvin Ridley, who I don't know if a lot of people forget this, but Calvin Ridley is a pretty good player. Yes. I mean, and he's come in. I mean, he is in shape. Um, he is a guy that, you know, he didn't he he didn't quit foot, you know, he didn't leave football for the lack of loving football. He just left because he was in a you know he, he he's not a player to put a trade players tribune letter i mean he was in a really really bad space you know right. mentally and got away from football but now you know he's coming in he's fired up and ready and you know wide receiver i'd had to say you know and that's another thing where it's a position where they're very old i mean you, you are not very old but uh experience a lot of a lot of experience yeah when it comes to you know christian kirk being on his second contract zay jones being around for a little bit Calvin Ridley's been, you know, around for, you know, several years now. So um, it's definitely a position where it has a lot of experience. And, you know, with Trevor Lawrence throwing him the rock, you know, it should be it should be really good. And, you know, like I said, my, I think right now, like edge rusher is the weakest because right sure. now, like 
there's Josh Allen and like Trayvon Walker and like nobody else. You're I mean, relying I think, really heavily on those two guys. Uh, yeah. Allen returning to his rookie form and Trayvon living up to that billing, right? That's that's going to be needed or else they're in trouble. And, and there's position units where it's like, I think we're weak at this spot, but there's also position units where I think there's a legitimate hole there. Like, I think that there is a hole at defensive end edge and they had to do something to fill it or else uh, it's not going to not going to be good. So what what are you hearing on both of those fronts? There's been a lot of talk about Calvin Ridley, what we've seen from him publicly in the media, in OTAs so far, and at mandatory minicamp. You, you hear a lot about how he certainly looks the part when when beat reporters are out there watching him. He looks, you know, again in shorts and against air, but you got to try to make that projection in, in May to what it's going to look like on the football field. Is there any? trepidation or maybe just some inside thoughts that you you hear with your ear to the pavement down there in Jacksonville. Yes, he's he's a star and I think Tennessee fans forget, you know, when he burst onto the scene there was a lot of talk here in the Nashville media market comparing young AJ Brown to to young Calvin Ridley. Like they were both really fantastic budding stars and there's no reason besides time off really to believe that Ridley has lost it. But that is a significant gap in play, and we've seen time and time again that even the best players sometimes can come back and be really rusty at first. doesn't look like that so far from OTAs, and I'm sure Jaguars fans are leaning optimistic on that front, but there's got to be some trepidation there, right? Honestly, there's not a whole lot. I mean, he's come in, and, like, his, his like... They're drinking the Kool-Aid down there. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Kool-Aid's definitely being drunk, but, I mean, he's putting out videos, and, like, just his footwork right now is just extremely fast he's extremely thick like he's put on like a lot of muscle and looks bigger you know he even said like when he signed on to the jaguar he said like after he got traded to the jaguars like he watched every single jaguars offensive play like five or six times throughout Mm -hmm. the week so he was studying his role in the jaguars i mean you know a lot of people compare it to like Le'Veon bell like i think it's just apples or oranges when it comes to kind of comparing the two because i think Le'Veon Bill is kind of a knucklehead while uh, I think kind of a little bit, a little bit. Right. <laughs> so, and also he went to the jets, which doesn't help, you know, when sure. you go to the Adam Gase jets. So, I mean, I think, I think Calvin Ridley's a 1200 to the 1400 yard player this year. I mean, I think he, I think him and Trevor Lawrence, like, you know, when you look at the history of like, you know, these young quarterbacks, when they get that best player, I mean, you saw what Jalen Hurts did with AJ Brown, I mean, mm-hmm. you saw when Josh Allen brought in like Stefan Diggs. Yep. Um, you, you know, you saw these these quarterbacks, even Tyreek Hill with Tua. You know, you saw all of a sudden it was like these guys come together and both of their potential just goes to the roof. And I think yep. that's the kind of effect that, you know, you have that he's going to have with the Jaguars. And, you know, he's coming into a situation where he's on a playoff team now. So he has to in a good wide receiver room. So. I think that the competition is going to breed greatness out of everybody. And I think that, you know, I'm really bullish on it. And I was also, I mean, I was making videos back in the day, a couple of years ago when Calvin Ridley, the rumors came out that, you know, he wanted to be traded and I'm not usually a guy that's trade for this guy, trade for that guy. But I was like, sure. no, we need to go after Calvin Ridley. Sure. And, and then this, and then the suspension news dropped and I got a little bit quiet. I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe not. Never maybe mind. not. Right, right, and right. And you know, it happened at the trade deadline where the Jaguars traded for him and only gave up like a conditional, like fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. So it was a, yeah. it was an awesome move. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really bullish on Calvin Ridley. I'm anticipating his addition to this team 
and not just making an impact from a production standpoint and a ceiling standpoint, but it wouldn't shock me at all. And you would know better than I, if his addition changes the way that the offense looks a little bit, you know, last year, the Jaguars were kind of a funny team in the sense that, yeah, they had some really nice receiving talent, but a lot like the giants currently look going into this upcoming season. It was, it was kind of small guys slot wide receiver city, you know, like your top paid guy in Christian Kirk, obviously more of that slot prototype, um, despite being a versatile player, um, you know, Zay Jones being one of the bigger guys on the team, Jamal Agnew being amongst the bigger guys, not huge guys in their own right. Like Calvin Ridley feels like you now finally have a true X boundary receiver who can stretch the field and be utilized really at any of the three wide receiver positions. That's got to be a, a tasty addition just in terms of a tool in his tool belt available to him on each Sunday when Doug Peterson is scheming things up for this team. Do you think it's going to make the way this offense looks um, a little bit different? No, yeah. I mean, I absolutely think so because, I mean, Jaguars in 2022, they the thing that was holding the Jaguars back is they couldn't consistently, like, go make deep shots. You know, sure. they were kind of a little bit late. Zay Jones was kind of catching, getting loose, like, you know, um, down the field, but you know, really early and really just being able to do it often, it just wasn't really available for the Jaguars. I feel like you could put together just anecdotally a highlight tape of last year, beautiful deep passes from Trevor Lawrence, where the receiver just couldn't separate or couldn't win at, at the the high point, or yeah. simply wasn't physical enough to make the catch. Yeah, I mean, there was one against the Titans in Nashville. I don't know if yep. you remember it, but I'm, th I'm thinking one. of that exact one. Yes, man. I mean, he he had a few of those that, like, if you're watching the game, it's like, wow, that was major. But it's not going to make any highlight reel. It's not going to, you know, no one that's not watching the game is going to see it. But man, like, he put that ball beautifully, and it was just dropped. I mean, the, well, I, and the, I'm now mentally copy pasting Calvin Ridley into that situation. I like the odds of that being a completion a lot more now, right? Yeah, I mean, or how about copy and paste him in the Kansas City Chiefs game where Kurt yeah. dropped the very, yep. very crucial ball Going late right in, in his game. hands. Yeah, it was right in his hands, and you know would have set us up, you know, in the ten yard line, and then Jaguars had to punt that drive. So, you know, you enter a true X factor, and I think, I think you know, Calvin Ridley is going to be able to let Kirk do more what he's able to do, and kind of play in that slot role, you know, find the, you know, find the soft spots. And, uh, you know, I think the passing attack really for the Jaguars is going to be, you know, it's going to be something special. Well, Hey man, I think that's all for today. We appreciate you, uh, giving us your time, giving us your insight, fantastic stuff. He's UCF underscore Jaguar on Twitter. And then on YouTube, obviously he's got a fantastic massive YouTube following. Got anything in the pipeline, any content you want to push anything you want to plug? Um, no, I mean, not really. I mean, I've been doing this. This will be my seventh season on YouTube kind of awesome. doing this. So, you know, I just do my regular, I make Jaguar update videos. I'll do, you know, live stream during games. So the Titans are beating the Jags. Y'all can control me. I mean, there was a, <laughs> I went like viral on Titans Twitter after like, the I remember Henry, this like yeah. 99 yard run. Um, yeah, it was, uh, had some Good and bad times of Titans, mostly bad times. <laughs> mostly I'm bad, that, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm ho hoping that hoping that times are changing. It was nice. It was nice being able to sweep y'all for the first time. I feel like in my in my lifetime. So sure. Um, hopefully, hopefully, there's more success to come. Absolutely. Well, he's UCF Jaguar man. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, thanks for for hopping on. Of course. Thanks, guys.
Hey, thanks so much to Dalton, UCF Jaguar, joining us today. Awesome insight. Really appreciate him giving us a slice of his time. And thanks to you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. A couple quick housekeeping things before you leave. We are super duper close, JT, to 500 followers on the Hot Read Podcast Twitter account. We'd love to get to that number and then get 500 more and then 500 more after that. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it rolling. So if you don't follow at Hot Read Pod on Twitter, you should do so. Speaking of at Hot Read Pod, the Hot Read Podcast, in case you haven't heard, is now a partner with Zen Sportsbook, the number one sports book in the state of Tennessee, or maybe that's exaggeration, but the number one new sports book in the state of Tennessee, and certainly number one in our hearts. We love Zen Sportsbook. We have spent hours talking to the people over there, getting familiar with their product, their app, and they have partnered with us. Our code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, is what you're going to want to use when you sign up with Zen Sportsbook where you can get in the app. You can get that in the app store on Apple, Google, Android. Unlimited 5% cash back, JT, for your welcome bonus. First 15 days, all bets you make, it's your total betting volume. Whether you win or lose, you'll be getting 5% cash back in your pocket as a thank you for signing up. And then when you use code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, to sign up, after those first 15 days, you get 3% cash back on all of your betting volume forever in perpetuity that's an awesome deal it's not funny money free bets or site credit it is real cash money homie that you can put into your pocket whenever you'd like withdraw or deposit at your convenience zen sportsbook changing the game i think in the state of tennessee for sportsbook and we're sportsbooks and we're excited to partner with them all right that's going to be it for today we'll be back on friday Hopefully doing our Texans preview. We will see. Still working on some scheduling things. We'll certainly get to that before training camp starts next week, JT. We are so close. Just two more episodes, I think, until we are talking about things that happened that day or the day before in training camp. Some real live Titans news pouring in fast and furious as we enter the month of August. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to everybody who joined us. Appreciate you all. Until Friday. I'm your host, Easton Fries, for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you on Friday.